Hello, this is John Bowling, and thank you for listening to the Franklin First United Methodist Church podcast. I hope you enjoy this and find it encouraging and inspiring. If you'd like to check us out online, go to www.franklinfirstumc.com. The story of the resurrection is told to us in all four of the Gospels. They are all familiar, they are similar but coming from a different perspective. If each one of us were witnesses to the resurrection, we too might tell the story in a similar way, but different. And I want us to hear John's voice this morning. Just a few verses, not the entire resurrection story, but just the first eight verses from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. It was still dark. She saw that the stone had been moved. So she ran to Simon Peter the other disi- and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said to them both, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. At that time, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. These two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lined with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, entered the tomb, saw, and believed saw and believed. Well, it's been around now for a half century. Love it or hate it, it's been influential. It's been influential in our culture. It's been influential in fashion. It's been influential in some social movements. It's been influential in even our language, creating new words. And, of course, I'm talking about rock and roll. Rock and roll was ushered into the American understanding of music in 1954 by Big Joe Turner when he sang Shake, Rattle, and Roll. It was also covered, you might remember, by Elvis Presley, but there were others, Carl Perkins and Little Richard Penniman. There were others who helped bring to our attention this new style of music fashioned after rhythm and blues, country, folk, and even gospel. But what I want you to recognize this morning is that Jesus was the first rock roller. Now, can I get a testimony there? Can I get an amen? Okay, good. Now, I didn't say rock and roller. I did say rock Roller. Jesus was the first rock roller. Although I am certain if Jesus were to come back and live among us for a while, we could find him at the Bridgestone Arena listening to some fine music. Could, couldn't we, Bonnie? But I want you to think for a moment that Jesus was the first rock roller. Think about that first Easter morning when they were making their way toward the tomb. 
Were they talking? Were they having a conversation? Had they spoken the night before about what they were going to expect? You know what they were expecting. They were expecting to find Jesus' lifeless body. Why? Because he was dead. Sometimes we forget that. You, you, you've heard me say often, every Holy Week, that, that we, particularly as Protestants, we, we don't think enough, we, we don't meditate enough upon the reality of Jesus' passion. That word just means suffering. We don't think enough about his betrayal, about his night of agony and weeping at the Garden of Gethsemane, the decision that he made to go to the cross. You know, early as Christianity was forming, there, there was a heresy known as Gnosticism, and the Gnostics believed that Jesus was merely a spirit, and therefore there was no pain when he was nailed to the cross. We, we reject that in Orthodox mainstream Christianity. Jesus was flesh and blood, fully human, fully divine, and he felt betrayed in his spirit when Judas gave him up. We all know what that feels like to be betrayed and disappointed, to have your heart broken by someone that you love. And so Jesus was dead. Perhaps you were here on our community Good Friday service in our sanctuary, which has been going on, I, I believe, for over 50 years. And I think it's at noon to make it convenient for people not just in the downtown area, but people who are working and may not be able to attend an evening service to come and to remember that Jesus died. Monday, Thursday, or, or Holy Thursday, our congregation and First Presbyterian held a combined worship service in the sanctuary there at First Presbyterian. And after we read the story of the night of Jesus being in Gethsemane. The lights went dark. And in the background, a hammer was struck. And so many people commented about that. That it felt real to them. That it, that it made them weep. That it stirred them in a, in a profound way. Because we were reminded that Jesus was dead. He, he wasn't given a drug on the sponge when he was on a cross. He didn't swoon. He didn't faint. He wasn't sleeping. He was dead. Those women who were there on Friday, I think they would tell us if we could speak to them, they would say, we saw them take his bloodied, battered body off the cross. We, we saw the soldier take a spear and stab it into his side, we saw the water and blood pour out. He was dead as he laid on the ground, and he was dead when they laid him in the tomb. And then three days later, the women made their way to the tomb. They had spices. They were preparing the body for embalming. The body actually would be left out with just those linen pieces that we read about in our lesson from John today for about a year. And then the body would be prepared in a sarcophagus. You've seen those small boxes, and the sarcophagus would be used to put the bones in after the flesh deteriorated. 
and people would go to the tomb and there they would mourn the loss of their loved one from their life. And those spices, of course, would have such an aroma that the stench wouldn't drive you away from the tomb. He was dead. We know what they're going to find because we live on the resurrected side of life. We're on this side or the other side of Easter. But they didn't fully comprehend it. None of the disciples did either. Jesus predicted his passion, his death, and his resurrection, but they didn't understand. This temple will be destroyed in three days, and then it will be rebuilt. They didn't understand. Well, I, I wonder. I wonder what those women thought as they were making their way to the tomb. Did they talk to one another and say, well, we should have expected it. He was a revolutionary after all. He had had these ideas and thoughts and teachings and people just didn't, didn't want to hear it. Did they say to themselves, because perhaps they'd been to the tombs many times before, maybe they had buried a parent or a child or a husband, and maybe they were just saying, life is one long walk toward the tombs, isn't it? Perhaps they thought, this is the last stop for all of us. All of us face death, the last destination. There are some, even among us now, who believe that. The living dead, the walking dead, we see them all the time. We work with some folks that are that way. Life is just one long walk toward the cemetery. Life doesn't really have any meaning or purpose, just as the women were walking in the mist of the morning. There are those among us who walk in the mist of life, we could call it. They don't know if their life is an accident or not, created by God or just some cosmic accident. Life is just one one long walk to the cemetery. But I have news for you this morning, and it is good news. It's Easter. Jesus is risen, and because Jesus is risen, we shall rise also. But I want to I say, as, as, as he rolled that rock away from the tomb, he will roll the rock away from our tomb... But don't think about it in such a final way. Because we're all here to celebrate, which, by the way, thanks for proving that you're Methodists at heart, when I said, it's Easter, Jesus is risen. We all kind of sit there, yes, he he did. Uh, You know, you can shout, say hallelujah, somebody jump a chair, it's all right. I can't say jump a pew, we don't have any pews in here. It's Easter. Jesus lives, and because Jesus lives, we too can live now and forevermore. I know our focus is usually on forevermore. We come to church on Easter, and we expect to hear a sermon about heaven, a sermon about life after death, that the grave does not hold us, and indeed, that is a part of the Easter truth, but it's only a part. Because the rock roll message of Easter really is a double message. It's a double gift, a a double blessing, if you will. 
Indeed, the grave will not hold us. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the grave will not hold us. Jesus has defeated death for those who put their trust and faith in him. But let me tell you something else. Jesus can also push away, roll those rocks away that have entombed us in fear or pride or guilt or despair Worry, anxiety, sorrow, depression. It's interesting to me in Matthew's gospel, it says that as the women were making their way to the tomb, they were afraid. I don't know what they were afraid of. They believed Jesus was dead. They saw him die. So what were they afraid of? When they arrived there, do you think they thought somebody stole Jesus' body? Well, Mary, Mary did because she, she talks to Jesus. Do you remember? She, she believes that he is a gardener. She sees a man there. She doesn't rec- recognize Jesus. He's in, a, obviously, a, a glorified state after his resurrection. She thinks he's the gardener, and she asks, has, have they taken his body? I mean, you never know. Caiaphas... The members of the Sanhedrin, they might have taken Jesus' body and hidden it. Maybe they understood what he said. And they, they interpreted that, that he was predicting his resurrection. Not that they believed in it, so they would take his body so he could never be seen again. Or, or, or maybe the Romans had something to do with it. So his followers wouldn't cause a ruckus and, 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 and turn his grave into some kind of tribute site. Maybe they were afraid because they thought his body was stolen. Maybe they were afraid that they had misunderstood him. Now, this is where he was going to be. Now, wait a minute. Maybe there was a resurrection, and we are supposed to be at the Mount of Olives. Maybe we're supposed to be in a different place. Maybe they were afraid because they thought they misunderstood Jesus. Or maybe, maybe they thought Jesus was angry with it. They had the spices. They were prepared to embalm his body, and he wasn't there. So, so maybe he was disappointed with them that they didn't understand or believe or trust. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, they were afraid of life. Because if Jesus was really alive, if Jesus conquered death, if Jesus rose from the grave and rolled the rock away, then their lives would never be the same. And that's what I want you to hear this morning, that Jesus has the power to change your life. Jesus has the power to change your death, yes. Jesus has the power to change our whole concept of what death is because again a part of a part of the easter message and celebration a part of the easter truth is that jesus gives us the ability sin death cannot hold us and one day you and i will walk in the realms of the kingdom fully in heaven and you know what i won't need these anymore Whatever it is that, that, that troubles you or aches you. Is it arthritis? Maybe, maybe you limp just a little. Or, or maybe you can't stand straight. What is that you say? Maybe, maybe a hearing loss. Can't even enjoy good music. Listen, we won't have those infirmities. 
in heaven. Because we'll have new bodies perfected in the love of God and we will share an eternal presence and relationship and fellowship with God and with all of those who have gone on in the faith before us. Don't be among those who all they do is sing the blues because that's the only kind of music they know. You need to claim and celebrate today that you're in the rock roll faith. You're not among the living dead. The living Lord is Lord over all, life and death. And He can take that which is in your life that may be mundane or ho-hum and make it something full and good and complete. It doesn't matter how good or how bad or how average you think your life is. Jesus can take it and breathe life into it and resurrect it and make it wonderful, meaningful, purpose-filled. Yes, again, the eternal hope of our faith is that it is an eternal faith. That through Jesus, we can know God now. And in death, we will know God fully. Jesus has the ability to raise us from the grave. But the rock-rolling truth of Easter is that Jesus can also take the sorrow and the mundane ho-hum of your life of mine and breathe into it the freshness of life. When I was a senior in college, Josh talked about obedience today. I wasn't very obedient. Not only to my call of ministry, I wasn't very obedient to the Christian life in general, but I did feel a calling to be a pastor or to be involved in ministry somehow. And I had an opportunity as a senior in college at Kentucky Wesleyan in Owensboro to be the pastor of two little churches in Ohio County for a summer. In one of those churches, there were probably 15 or so people and another maybe 30 to 50. And what struck me that very first Sunday was a young family, mother and father, with three beautiful girls with the blondest hair you've ever seen. What I really remember is the oldest girl, she had braces on her legs, and so she struggled to walk. It didn't take long for that church family to tell me the story that it was after the third child was born. I believe the oldest was eight and the youngest was two at that time. It wasn't long after the youngest child was born because the second child started having trouble walking that all three of them had been diagnosed with a disease that would eventually rob them of their life. None of them would probably see the age of 20. And in the process, their bodies would deteriorate and continue to deteriorate. Since we've lived here, I got an email from a woman in that congregation to let me know that the third of those children had died. But that wasn't the only message to her email because she sent me that email last Easter. And the mother of those three children gave a testimony last Easter. And she said, a part of what she said, and I'm paraphrasing, because Jesus rolled that rock out from the tomb and conquered death, I know that my girls 
are not in the grave. They're alive with him in heaven. Now, now, now that's a positive message in and of itself. But she continued. Because Jesus rolled the rock away from the grave on the third day. I know he can roll the rock away from the grief that has entombed me. And that is a part of the great Easter truth, isn't it? We celebrate, yes, absolutely, that our faith is an eternal faith. Jesus rolls the rock away from the grave, and we will know eternal life in His presence, but also He will roll the rock away from whatever it is that entombs us now in this life so that we can know and experience a full, good life with purpose and meaning. And so I want you to pray with me this morning. Lord, we love you today. That's why we're here. But we recognize that some of us who have gathered are in trouble. We're deep in a pit or tomb. Maybe we dug it ourselves. It's a tomb that's become a prison of addiction or arrogance or pride or anger. Maybe a depression or sorrow. And Lord, we celebrate today because so often we think that, well, when this life is over... I can be alleviated from all this other stuff that holds me down and and puts me into a living tomb. And that's true. But Lord, we also claim the resurrection faith today that will bring us up and allow us to rise out and that we would not be among the living dead, the walking dead, but be those who are living life to its full because you've given us new, a new passion and hope and strength and courage a purpose filled meaningful life because Jesus rolled the rock away let him roll that rock away from whatever it is that keeps us from experiencing this full life that you so want us to know and enjoy and we ask it and claim it today in the name of our living Lord Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you for listening. This is John Bowling, pastor of Franklin First United Methodist Church in Franklin, Kentucky. Hope that you can visit with us sometime and you can find all the information about our church and how you can be involved at franklinfirstumc.com. If you'd like to financially support this ministry, that would greatly be appreciated. And again, you can find our mailing address on our website. Take care.